All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you all would make your way this way, and if you are three, fours, and fives, you all will go back to the back. You, you've joined us this morning, and we, we enjoyed that. Uh, but now all those are three, is that right, three, fours, and fives, those who are below kindergarten will go back. Miss Linda's back there, and she will lead you uh, to your group. That's threes. Here, here comes some more, Linda. All right. All right, if you're an adult and you don't want to listen to me this morning, there's two choices. You can go lead some kids this morning. <laughs> that would be fun. Hey, I got to apologize. Last week, this probably might, might hit some people who are not here this morning. But in our communion time last week, I had some people coming up and says, I took communion during the theme to Brady Bunch. Did you, there, there was, I guess, a couple rows that they actually had left and went and, and needed another tray, got a tray, came back. And in that time, I'd, I, I think I already jumped into letting the kids go and, and started. And if you were here last Sunday, you know, I started with the break, which was great, right? Start a sermon with the Brady Bunch theme. Anyway, he said, it was unusual taking communion to, there's a story. You know, anyway, I won't go into it. But uh, thinking about communion, I, I, I want to, you know, one key word is always about communion. One, one very key word that's important that I think is from Scripture that is always the one that I think about when we do communion, and it's that word remember, Right? Remember, and so when we do communion, we are remembering what Jesus has done for us. But there's another word this morning I think I want to key on, and it's going to be uh, actually the title of our sermon this morning, the focus this morning, is that word hope. Because I, I believe this table is not just remembering Jesus, but to think that, oh, when Jesus came, he brought to us hope. And there is a Hope that we also could be thinking about and, and, and focusing our attention upon when, when we partake of communion. Because of Jesus, there's a hope in our lives. Isn't that right? The, the series that we've been going through, we've, we've talked about some individuals. We've talked about King Herod and, the, and that, that very clear truth that many people are going to reject Jesus. In this, this moment's... Uh, 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 moments of truth, when they're confronted with Jesus, there's going to be those who absolutely will reject Jesus time and time again. Uh, Joseph was our second one. Last Sunday we talked about Joseph, and the focus on that was submission, thinking that Joseph didn't have, you know, was, wasn't a prominent figure in the scriptures, but we know him as, as the one who was betrothed to Mary. And when she became pregnant, the, the scene that we saw last week was he was called to submit, to go ahead and take this pregnant woman who, who remained faithful to, to Joseph, but was pregnant through the Holy Spirit that was going to bear the Son of God, to go ahead and take her into his home and to, to make her his wife. And so Joseph submitted. There was changes that came. And, and so the, the emphasis that we had last week was that opportunity that we have in, in knowing and coming to that place of knowing Jesus, that we too are called to submit our lives to him uh, throughout. Uh, this hope, now the, the central focus of this, I don't have an individual, I have a nation of people. Uh, we want to focus upon Israel 
And, and let me pose this question and have you thinking about this uh, as, as we approach uh, the, the text this morning is, what was it that the people of Israel were anticipating? What were they looking for? We know they were looking for a Messiah, but what was he to do? What was he going to accomplish? Why were they anticipating the Messiah? And, and so, uh, matter of fact, just to say this, that they were living with a hope of the coming Messiah, uh, the time that Jesus was born. The passage that I want us to look at is Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through uh, 75. And the passage is actually... Uh, the, the song, they call it the Song of Zechariah. You know who Zechariah is? Uh, while you're turning there, again, Luke 1, 68 through 75, Zechariah is the father to John the Baptist. He'd already received his announcement. Matter of fact, when the angel came and said, hey, you're old lady, and I'm not doing that disrespectful, she was old and, and beyond you know, bearing, childbearing years, so in itself was a miracle, your old lady is going to have a baby. And, and he was beyond belief, you know, doubtful, and therefore he was unable to speak until the baby was born. And now, I, I want you to catch that because what we're about to read is the, everything that was contained in, in Zechariah, and it, it, it burst forth into this praise when his son was born knowing that he is the forerunner, he, he is the prophet that was going to make the way for Jesus and his coming. He was going to say, hey, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and Jesus was coming. Anyway, let's read this passage. And I, I do want to let you know why I've chosen this passage. If you can imagine, here he is. He is a priest over Israel. He had, had this great responsibility of, matter of fact, had drew the, the great responsibility to, to attend the Holy of Holies and there received this message that John the Baptist was going to be born to him. And, and so John, uh, I mean, Zechariah had this understanding that everything, all the promises that were laid out were going to be unfolded and, and, and he was going to be a part of it. And so can you imagine the excitement in Zechariah? Matter of fact, in, in, in verse 67, it says that his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and what we're about to read is what he prophesied. So I think it's his excitement. I think it's the, the words directed by the Holy Spirit. And, and here it comes. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. We're going to cut it off there. Actually, in 76, he continues with that praise. A lot of that directing to, to what his son uh, is, is coming for. But in this passage, what, what's being revealed through Zechariah, who, who knows the scriptures, who himself has in, been anticipating the, the very action of God to fulfill his promises is, is 
yeah, it, it's coming to his full realization of what's taking place. God is sending the Messiah. And, and Israel has been anticipating along with him and, and, and looking for this Messiah to come. Jesus brings hope to us. Isn't that true? Jesus brings hope, and, and it, he brings it to a hopeless world, as a matter of fact, when we think about hope. We need hope. Does the society around us need hope? Uh, let, me, let me start here. In a world full of trouble, people need hope. We truly need hope in this world. And that's the place that the Israelites were. Uh, to, to understand the time when Jesus came, they were a people who were desperate for hope. And, and the hope they held on to kept them going, you know, waiting for that Messiah. They were under oppression. You know, even with Herod at the helm, you know, uh, considered him to be a Jew, a half Jew. But still, uh, there, there was a, oppression from that government. There was heavy taxes. You know, we, we can understand some of us might have felt the real punch some years because of taxes. But for them, it, it, was, it was very heavy taxes. And it wasn't just that. It was also, uh, there was uh, abuses that was coming, physical abuses that was coming from their government. I talked a little bit about Herod. Something I didn't mention uh, during his time is that there were 45 of the 71 members of the Sanhedrin that were killed during the time of Herod because people weren't to oppose Herod, their king. So 45 out of the 71 of the leaders of Israel were killed. After Herod had passed and his son came into to the responsibility of the territory of Galilee, um, Archelaus, who was... Uh, uh, the son of Herod was over that area. And, and during the time of Passover and the influx of all the Jews who were coming there, uh, Archelaus decided to, to show authority and, uh, uh, the authority and the strength of, of, of Rome there in Jerusalem. And all it did was cause a revolt. In that revolt, 3,000 Jews were, were slaughtered, were massacred in that. That was a time when Jesus was actually growing up in Nazareth by this, when this, this had taken place. This was the time that, and we could go into all, all kinds of other details, but this was a time these people were desperate. They were looking for that Messiah when Jesus had come. One other reason for oppression, I, I think Jesus makes the point even later on in his life, they were under religious oppression. As well, and they were under religious oppression from religious leaders. You know how that could be. Uh, really, you know, they were keepers of the law, and by this time, they were also uh, adding to the law and defining it clear. Boy, uh, you knew exactly where to go, what to do, what not to do, and 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 it became quite a burden. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus said in his great condemnation in Matthew chapter 23. His condemnation were over those religious leaders. In verse 4, to give you an idea, he said, They, referring to the, these guys, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. It, you know, people around them, if you weren't a, a religious leader or connected to the religious leaders and you were you're the Jew going about your way, uh, you were looked upon with condemnation. I, I believe the, the Jewish people lived 
feeling the condemnation of their sinfulness. They weren't righteous like those Pharisees who would pray on the street corners or who were giving or who were following after the law in the way they were following. It was impossible for them to follow. And so along with government oppression, I think there was a religious oppression identified by Jesus saying, man, they had tied up these, these loads, loads of, of requirements of living righteously before God that they could not keep. It, it was a law with no mercy. That was the problem God saw in that. God had a law, but oh man, God followed through with mercy always. And so they were living under this condemnation. They needed hope. They needed hope. We live in a time that we need hope. It, it won't take long for me to, to throw out some ideas for you, but if you're paying attention to the political processes right now, the, the impeachment, and, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just frustrated with it. Uh, our, the, the, the two parties specifically are warring against each other, and I don't care what they're saying. Uh, what I see is deceitfulness and, and hatred towards each other. Both parties just despising one another. You hear it on... Uh, talk shows and, and, and li- we're just watching the pr- proceedings itself are, are frustrating. It leaves us in that place of frustration and distrust with our government. I do believe it's reflected in the rest of what's happening in, in the United States. We're kind of following with, with that ugliness. And, and there's ugliness happening amongst uh, the people of our government. Uh, hateful violence taking place as well. Tuesday, I think it was, in Jersey City. Uh, killing six uh, in, a, in a kosher store where uh, the responsibility is, is seen to be from an anti-Semite group. Just hatred. And that's just maybe a small amount what's taking place all over. You, we're familiar with it. You know, it's, it's in our neighborhoods. It was not that long ago, like within the past couple of weeks, we had a, a, an individual who, who abducted a man uh, I guess he was with his girlfriend out here close to Milford, took him out, shot him, and then killed himself. You, you're probably aware of that story. But those things are going on in this world, and they're in our neighborhood. And then we think about morality, the declining of morality. Is there a need for hope in this world? Absolutely. Last year, I think our big concern and, and discussions was the fact that, that they were pushing same-sex marriage. And boy, that was the predominant thing last year. This year, it's not that anymore, or it doesn't seem like it. It's, it's choosing what gender you are and, and, and how people ought to be able to choose. And, and it just seems like all logic and truth is being tossed out the window. You know, a disregard for God's creation. And, and there's nothing. Do we need hope? Do we need hope? Well, I think we're at a time we absolutely need hope. And there's people around us who I, I believe are despairing. And so there, there's a hope that we hold on to when it comes to Jesus. I believe that hope is found in the fact that God has made some promises. He has followed through with promises. God gives hope through his promises. Uh, the promises we're seeing. Matter of fact, here's Zachariah in his song. His excitement. He's spilling it out because he's amongst those people that's been, you know, 
going through this oppression and, and this government and, 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 and dealing with uh, all kinds of things. He, he pours it forth. Going through this, just, just let me pull out just some specific words that are laid out in his, in his praise. He, he, he mentions the word redemption and salvation. He speaks of God's mercy coming through in, in his act. He rem- got the fact that God is remembering his promises, that, that he is providing a rescue from his enemies, and, and also that he is enabling them to serve in holiness and in righteousness without fear all their days. Uh, all that praise was, did you hear the words? Redemption, salvation, rescue. That's all represented in Jesus, isn't it? That's all represented in Jesus. And, and, and to, to look and know that Jesus is that Messiah. I, th- I think this is unique because the scriptures, especially you going into the gospels. Matter of fact, Luke comes to that place in verse 70. He says, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, this Jesus was planned. It was, Jesus wasn't a last minute, oh, I'm going to fight. I've had enough of this people. I'm going to send Jesus. He's laid out all throughout the Old Testament. Matter of fact, um, th- there's a man named, uh, uh, oh, uh, John Burton Payne. He, he put together this book called Encyclopedia Biblical Prophecy. In his prophecies, there are, uh, he's identified 574 direct personal messianic uh, foretellings. Uh, of what this Messiah is going to look like. We know some of those. We've gone some of those as we've gone through Matthew in the introduction. I mean, he's born of a virgin, right? He's born in the town of Bethlehem. Uh, He he is also, uh, has a forerunner, John the Baptist. That's in the Old Testament scriptures. It it even records the fact that Herod uh, goes into Bethlehem and, and tries to do away with Jesus by killing the innocents. That's recorded in the Old Testament scriptures. The flight to Egypt, but even the calling of Jesus out of Egypt to, to, to return is within the scriptures. Over and over again, that, that's just probably just gleaning a little bit of, of the things that fit Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. It goes into his ministry, his life, and it goes into his death, the sufferings of his death. We could go into Isaiah, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Here's where a lot of Jews who don't don't uh, claim Jesus separates. Now, they, they can't see Jesus as the Messiah because he didn't accomplish everything. He was going to be king. He was going to establish a throne, build the temple, bring back order to Jerusalem. And, and all those who are, uh, who are removed are going to return to Jerusalem. And it was going to be a kingdom once again. But they absolutely reject Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. The suffering servant. Uh, they, they can't identify. They don't put those two together. But Jesus is that one who, who also fits in the description of the Hosannas, as it was recorded uh, later in the Gospels. Uh, the fact that he rode on a colt or a donkey into town. He was betrayed by a friend. 30 pieces of silver is named as that betrayal fee. Uh, that he died with criminals. That his clothing is, was going to be gambled for. And, and that he was going to rise from the dead. All that identified over and over again. Uh, the, the, one of the illustrations I saw was, was all the prophecies that are laid out in the Old Testament. From his birth through his death. Uh, it, it looks like a lock. 
that, that a particular, only a particular key is going to feed or, or, or be able to open that lock. And, and, you know, Jesus is a lock. If My dad was a locksmith. You know how this works for me. I, it, it's a clear imagery. But in a lock, there, there's tumblers in there that, that every ridge and every, every, every piece that, tumble, that, that the tumbler would fall upon and the grooves that fit. If we could imagine that every prophecy that's laid out for Jesus, there is, when I say he's, there's only one particular key that would fit, that will open uh, all the descriptions that are laid out in the prophecy, that key is Jesus. It's a Messiah. That's why Matthew wrote his book. He wanted to show the, 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 uh, the Jews, say, man, here he is. That's why often you see, hey, the prophet has written or Isaiah has spoken. And, and then refers to those passages and reveals to them. See, uh, over and over again, he's saying, see, here's the Messiah, it's Jesus. And that's what we have today. Proof that Jesus is that Messiah promised by God who's coming to this world. All these prophecies are uniquely open through Jesus. Now the promises that God has given, not all of them are, are completed you see, we live in a time that we are still awaiting some things, some promises. Again, I said this table is also a table of hope, right? We, we celebrate what we've been given in Jesus. We celebrate the fact that he came and he died for us. But we also celebrate our future in him. It, it is about today, yes. But it's also about tomorrow. I, we, we just had a funeral uh, here yesterday. And I love being at a funeral when people are certain of, of their destiny or their destination through Jesus Christ because of a life of embracing him and loving him and putting their faith in him. Uh, I, I talked to several who older than myself, but I, I will be honest with you, there are days that I wouldn't mind going home. Are you with me? There are, there are days and times I wouldn't mind going home. It sounds terrible, and, and my wife and my kids, well, I don't know, my kids, they might think it would be okay. But anyway, uh, to, 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 to leave this world and enter into what I know is going to be beyond my understanding and my belief, that's representing this table as well. You know, it, it is, oh God, I, I praise you because I have a hope of the covering of my sinfulness through Jesus. And I have a hope of an eternity with him. A, a, a hope of, of life eternal with no more hurts, no more pains, and, and, and no more difficulties. But a, a, a hope in peace and, and in walking with God. That is going to be amazing. That's the promises that you and I have. The continued completion of that Messiah's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We're, we're living in it today in Christ but it's going to be completed when Jesus returns. Those are the promises we turn to. That's the hope that we live on. You see, that hope from God gives us joy and anticipation and even strength for today and for tomorrow. That, that's our, 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 our lives. We just went through the series, Life After Death. That's our lives today in Jesus, is living in that hope. It does mean that we're able to get through those difficult days, those frustrations, frustrations with you know, our, our government, our politics. Listen, our government, government is not eternal. And we could, more and more, it just seems like 
it's clear because of the warring between the politicians. Do we ever think in our minds that they're going to make everything better? Anybody here just, oh man, let them do it because they're going to make everything better and, and it's just going to be wonderful someday when they get it all together. Don't hold your breath. I'm not counting on the politicians. But I am putting my hope in Jesus. I am putting my hope in Jesus. My confidence. Matter of fact, he's the only reason I could sleep at night, you know, after watching, you know, the news and things like that. It is because of Jesus. Because tomorrow is a good day. Today is a good day because Jesus is my Savior. That, that, that is just the bottom line. And so when it comes to the season, when it comes to the season, we're thinking and rejoicing about what God has done in sending Jesus. And how Jesus faithfully went to the cross and died for our sinfulness. That we could be, oh God, you are our Father. Brought into that right relationship with Him. And, and then be confident about our future because of Him. Man, there is a reason we came to worship. There's a reason we rejoice in Jesus' coming. Because it's not just about the manger. It is also about the cross, isn't it? And man, we want both. Jesus come and, and Jesus, Lord, his death and his resurrection paying our price. It is a reason for our joy. Next week, we're going to talk more about that joy and, and, and you know, how, how we live it. Let me ask you this. Are you living in, in a, a life of despair and frustration? Are, are you living a life of despair? I mean, we could even be believers and, and learning. You know, I, I talked to someone already this morning. He said, man, it's something to learn not to worry about the frustration and hurts and pains of life. It's something that we are growing into. Isn't that right, Darlene? Yeah, Darlene said yes. Darlene's going to have a testimony next week, so I'm excited about that. But, but Darlene's going to be able to speak to that fact that, hey, whatever life throws at it, he is always there. He is always faithful. Amen? Amen. You all, uh, our team, come on forward. We're ready for our invitation. If you are struggling with that hope, if you're struggling with, with frustrations, and even it's not a good place to be in, in, in that place of despair and ready to give up. But with, if you only understood Jesus and what he has planned for you, what he has already done for you, and what he has planned for your future, that despair goes away and replaces it with a hope that is true and right and, and you can put your full confidence in. Isn't that right? So in, in this invitation, I, I think only the best people come out on a day like this. So I, I have this, this feeling that you all are loving Jesus and loving the hope you have. I, yeah, give each, each other high fives. Do that. But there is a reason. Yeah, and, and if there is someone who's, who, who knows that despair and is searching and hasn't had the time to sit down with someone and just express that and to pray with them and, and find that connection and, and be able to call him every day, Oh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name and worthy are you. He is that hope for our day to day and for our days to come and for eternity. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's sing our invitation.